dog barked was attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe, to know Christ, but God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. <laughs> Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. And right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign risen king, king Who doesn't owe you not in picking things And yet he still promises to furnish disciples But we take what he's created and we turn him into idols I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBN Yeah, spirit and truth is worship viewed in this chemistry But, but some are spewing distorted views of the Trinity Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 27 of The Master's Dog. I'm your host, the Evangelical Norm. So, The Master's Dog podcast, and where I uh, uh, respond to people who mistreat the Word of God and the mis- mistreat the, the truth of God's Word and uh, Orthodox theology and so on. So, it started out with just responding to the Saints Unscripted uh, episodes of Faith and Beliefs. And so that kind of expanded out into anything that is uh, dealing with theological issues um, I respond to. So we started out as just Faith and Beliefs Refuted. Now we are the Master's Dog. Uh, I am the Master's Dog uh, podcast. So uh, today, though, we are back with our uh, old standby Faith and Beliefs. David is going to talk to us about a little bit about Sidney Rigdon and um, the aftermath of after Joseph's um, assassination, murder, whatever you want to call it. It was, we talked last week, it was not a martyrdom. So we'll talk a little bit. Um, this is another one of those where it just seems like it's really kind of a nothing burger, but um, there are a couple of uh, good things we can pull out of it. So let's, with that, let David. Go ahead and take us down 
this rabbit trail. Maybe. Light technical difficulties, but you know. Hey guys, so uh, after the martyrdom of the latter day Saint Prophet Joseph Smith in 1844, the members didn't really know who was going to lead the church. This problem was exacerbated by the fact that before Joseph died, he made as many as eight different references to who should succeed him. In this episode, we're going to specifically look at the claims of the last surviving member of the first presidency after the martyrdom, Sidney Rigdon. Let's check it out. Sidney Rigdon is an important figure in Latter-day Saint history. He was originally a Baptist preacher, a great public speaker, who was introduced to our church by my man Parley P. Pratt in 1830. Rigdon was baptized and was soon called as spokesman for Joseph Smith and the church. Things started out great, but as time went on, he grew increasingly unstable. In 1832, while Joseph was out of town, Sidney claimed he'd received a revelation that the keys of the kingdom had been taken from Joseph and the church. Joseph had to come back and say, uh, no. Joseph was quick to forgive, but by 1843, he tried to have Sidney Rigdon removed from his position as a counselor in the first presidency. I'm so confident our situation will create a strong sympathy vote for us. When put to a vote, though, the members allowed Sidney to keep his position. Everything is foreseen as I have foreseen. Joseph formally accepted the outcome, but... Okay, so here again, we come to an issue... Uh, if Joseph is truly a prophet, um, and again, he had given all these different possibilities of who would be his successor, um, one that, that flies in the face of being a prophet. We don't see that anywhere in with the biblical prophets, um, where they had uh, multiple things where, I mean, contradicting prophecies of who would be their replacement or anything like that. I mean, we don't see that. Um, a prophet proclaiming his replacement or any of those things. Um, so, yeah, it just doesn't make sense that, I mean, rather than if, if this were such a, a problem with Sidney Rigdon, why wasn't he just excommunicated at this point rather than a vote taken to remove him from being in the first presidency? And why would God allow Joseph, if he was truly a prophet, to put this man in the first presidency to begin with? just doesn't make sense. You know, you're claiming that you have a prophet and yet he can't even assign counselors right without putting people who become unstable. I would think that God would know that Sidney Rigdon was going to become unstable and would have warned Joseph and said, don't put this guy in in part of your, your, first, your first presidency because he's going to become unstable. But Obviously, um, Joseph does not really ever stand up to the test of being a prophet. Said concerning Sidney, I have thrown him off my shoulders and you have again put him on me. You may carry him, but I will not. In 1844, Joseph was running for president. His first and second choices for vice president didn't work out. His third choice was Sidney Rigdon, who, despite their differences, was a great orator. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. Joseph. So again... I mean, you've got this man who claims to be a prophet, and yet he's going to, the first two choices didn't work out. What, did God not tell him who to pick? And then he picks a guy that he's had issues with that has contradicted him in the past and actually tried to have him uh, essentially 
uh, usurp his position as prophet? And why would a prophet put this man in? Well, one, why is a prophet trying to run for president? But that's another story we'll talk about at another time. But why would he put this man in as his vice presidential candidate? It can't just be because he was a great orator. I mean, there were probably plenty of people. I mean, Brigham Young is, uh, you know, remembered as being a, a great orator. And so why wasn't Brigham Young put in as Joseph's vice president uh, candidate? You know, there were had to have been plenty of guys in the church at the time that could have been the VP for Joseph Smith. But yet he picks this guy that he's already had issues with. So again, just not something that really makes a whole lot of sense to me. Sent Sidney to live in Pennsylvania to establish residency because back then you couldn't vote for a president and vice president who were both from your home state. It's my opinion that Joseph was totally okay with that. But sure enough, after Joseph's death, Sidney rushed back to Nauvoo to assert his claim to leadership. But while Joseph's relationship with Sidney had deteriorated, his relationship with the Quorum of the Twelve had only been growing stronger. This turn of events is unfortunate. We must accelerate our plans. Only four members of the Quorum were in Nauvoo when Sidney arrived. They wanted to meet in council and not make any hasty decisions, but Sidney tried to organize a meeting to choose a new leader as soon as possible, with or ideally without the Twelve. In his journal, William Clayton wrote, Brother Marx had notified the public that next Thursday there would be a meeting to choose a guardian, inasmuch as Mr. Rigdon was in a hurry to go home again. I do not feel satisfied with this move because it is universally understood that the Twelve have been sent for and are expected here every day, and it seems a plot laid for the saints to take advantage of their situation. I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. Luckily, Brigham Young and four more apostles arrived in time for the meeting, which took place on August 8th, 1844. I must say you're here sooner than expected. The saints gathered, and once again, Sidney claimed he'd received a revelation. This time, that nobody could replace Joseph Smith, but that he, Sidney, should become the church's guardian. It is with great reluctance that I have agreed to this calling. He taught that this church must be built up to Joseph and that all the blessings we receive must come through him. Elder William W. Phelps later said, There's no such thing written in the Bible or the Book of Mormon or the Book of Doctrine and Covenants. This church has been built up to Jesus Christ, and Joseph Smith always taught us that there is no other name whereby we can be saved, but in and through the name of Jesus Christ. Brigham Young believed that authority to direct the church fell upon the Quorum of the Twelve. He pled his case and then allowed Sidney the opportunity to speak again. Sidney declined, but asked William W. Phelps to speak for him. Bad move. Phelps told the saints, if you want to do right, uphold the Twelve which the overwhelming majority of the saints voted to do. Joseph Smith once wrote, No unhallowed hands can stop the work from progressing. Persecutions may rage, mobs may combine, armies may assemble, calumny may defame, but the truth of God will go forth boldly, nobly, and independent till it has penetrated every continent, visited every clime, swept every country, and sounded in every ear, till the purposes of God shall be accomplished, and the great Jehovah shall say, The work is done. Sidney was soon excommunicated and established his own church in 1845. That church collapsed by 1847. One of his previous followers, William Bickerton, tried to resurrect Rigdon's church in 1862, which Rigdon must have disagreed with because he'd previously authorized a man named Stephen Post in 1856 to resurrect the Rigdonite sect, with Rigdon as their prophet until his death in 1876. 
Post's Rigdonite organization disbanded in 1882. So, if you're wondering whether the church should have fallen into the hands of Sidney Rigdon after Joseph's death, it may be comforting to know that the churches Rigdon led after the martyrdom absolutely failed. His work did stop progressing, something Joseph taught would not happen to Christ's restored church. That's a quick summary of Sidney Rigdon's role in the Latter-day Saint succession issue. There's a ton more that could be said about this topic, so if you want to dive deep, please check out the resources in the description. Okay, so there you go. Um, really, a lot of stuff that really is pointless. A couple of things I would like to point out, though, because as Sidney Rigdon said, you know, supposedly that the church was going to be built up to Joseph and that all blessings and stuff came through him. Um, and then supposedly somebody, you know, refuted that statement. But Brigham Young said stuff of the same, in the same vein. He said that nobody would get into heaven without the stamp of approval of Joseph Smith. Um, so again, and whether or not Sidney Rigdon's churches failed afterwards, I mean, it's it's pointless. I mean, all of this stuff is is meaningless if the the prophethood, uh, to coin a term, of Joseph Smith is lacking, is not, uh, you know, can't be proven or can be proven to be um, that he is a false prophet, which has been done over and over and over again. Again, even just the situation with Sidney Rigdon cast doubt upon Joseph Smith's ability to give prophetic words because I mean, if you can't, if God isn't even going to give you um, information about the people that you are putting into leadership in the church, I mean, how do we trust that God is giving you information, true information about anything else? Um, you know, again, of all of the, the witnesses of the Book of Mormon, the three and then the eight, none of them were active members of the church within 15 years of Joseph Smith's death, none of them, they all walked away. Now, whether they publicly renounced or uh, recanted their testimony is meaningless because the testimony that supposedly comes along with the Book of Mormon is what holds people to the church, and they walked away, which I think implies, whether even if it's not explicit, but it's implied that their testimony of the Book of Mormon was gone. And so it really cast doubt upon their witness of the Book of Mormon. So those are just a couple of things that we can look at. I mean, again, it seems like these faith and beliefs, and again, I only respond to these because I said I will respond to this, every one of these. As long as Saints Unscripted is going to have a faith and beliefs episode week after week, I'm going to respond because I'm a man of my word and I said that I would. There's so many of these that have, that have come up, and I'm like, I just want to let it go and ignore it and go respond to Kwaku, which I will tomorrow. I'm going, I haven't watched the entire video yet. Um, as you can tell, I'm not in my regular uh, studios. I am in a hotel in Phoenix, Arizona, because we are down here for ReformCon. Um, the figure you saw shoot past the back of my head is our youth pastor, Cody, um, who is my unwilling uh, surprise co-host, even if it's just a momentary appearance in the video um, of the podcast this week. So um, I've been at this conference, which is amazing. 
Um, probably Sunday afternoon, I will do a unscript or unsolicited um, review of everything that went down in the uh, the re reform con slash and abortion or and abortion and abortion now conference um, this weekend. So look forward to that. But yeah, I haven't had time to sit and watch the entire video that Quaku uh, released the other day. But what I did watch. Um, has me fired up. So probably tomorrow afternoon or maybe Saturday, um, maybe I'll do an episode from the plane. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, but I will respond to that once I actually get to the chance to watch the entire video. Um, so that should be a good one where I get nice and heated. So again, thanks for watching, guys. I hope this, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot of theology or anything like that in this video just some stuff of, of Joseph Smith's failure as a prophet. So I hope it's beneficial to you guys this week. Um, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.